daughter. Uh, Christina, come on up. She had no idea I'm going to call her up. And I, I um, why am I doing this? Because it's fun. Uh, it is. It's, it's, it's what I like to do. And it's Father's Day, so you have to be really nice to me and say all the nice, only nice things. Because it's what day is this day? Thank you. You need a microphone? You got a mic? Give her a mic. Come on, sister girl. Uh, I had in my mind that we would share the sermon today. I did. I didn't tell you, so we're not going to do it. Come on, come closer. I'm Father's Day. You got to get over here. When I do this kind of stuff, what comes to your mind? My heart is racing. Excited because you're close to me, right? Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what do you want to say? Anything? Um, Anything special? Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. You guys are important. You're vital for our lives, regardless of what anybody else might say. Fathers matter. That's right. Right. Okay, is there anything you want to say to me? Oh. Happy Father's Day to the most amazing dad in the entire universe. That is phony baloney, but I'll no. <laughs> no, I mean it. I mean it. Really? For real. Okay, so what makes a dad special in your mind? Um, I think that he is that, that support system to the family. You know what I mean? And um, it was something that you said in the motivational Uh, moments that come on the TV station and it touched me because it was like it's important for dads to be physically present you know not just that person that brings money into the household but you're actually physically in the household so that your kids can feel your presence and they can feel your energy and they can ask you questions and poke at you and and wreck your brain a little bit but I think that it's important that you guys are are physically present and sometimes that's emotionally as well so that's what I think is important about you is that you aren't just, you know, in the house, but you're physically present. You're emotionally present. You're spiritually present. You're connected to us. And it's not just, you know, a financial thing. It's a all-around type of thing. So. Somebody asked me a question last, yesterday, last, matter of fact, last week. They said, uh, was I different at home than up here? Uh, no. I mean, the same um, wisdom that, you, that we get here at Overcome My Faith is the same wisdom that I get at home. But the good thing about it is, like I said, you don't, everything isn't just church. I know some people assume that when we go home, it's just all about church. No, we do, you do have a good balance where you have supported, you support me and Ricky um, spiritually, but you just allow us to still be young adults. You always allowed us to be kids. Uh, we still did vacations. We still did trips. We still had laughing moments in the house. We still do. And um, I think that Even though we don't live together. No, we don't. No. I, I live apart, a but... Um, <laughs> you like that too, don't you? I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> Everybody know that. It's amazing. You love it. You love uh, yeah, it. You sound really happy. Like, yeah, oh, I've been living on my yeah. own since college, so, yeah. you know, it's Me, a good like, thing for really, my soul. Really, sophomore college, like really long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really. been a minute. But, you know, I think that... Um, it's just important that you have that balance in your household. So I feel like that's what we have, you know, is that you are our pastor, but you're also our dad. You know what I mean? And but not- I, okay, but let's get to the good stuff. Last thing. There, there, now, I'm going to ask this. You, you just pray how you answer it. Okay. Got it. Do I bug you sometimes? Of course. Does he bug you guys? 
Okay. Wait a minute. You can't be saying yes too. I don't. I don't. I don't it's know how you invited him even into this. Because the question was, do you are you the same way? You know, and I was just comparing the two. The bugging part. Yeah. Too. You know. Yeah. Okay. But that's what makes it fun. You know, you want a dad that's in the house that's not all like, you know, you want him to be able to loosen up and enjoy himself as well and share that same spirit with his kids. So that's what I think is amazing. Okay. So you push my buttons and sometimes I push yours. Yes, that is true. But we okay. Yeah. All right. Bye, girl. Always. Later. Give her a big hand. <laughs> Today's sermon is, uh, is one that I think is helpful to all families because it basically talks about the importance of how we communicate. And specifically, I'll focus in on dad's communication down the road here in the sermon. But I want to read a verse to you. It's in the book of uh, Proverbs, uh, chapter 18, verse 20. It said, words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as good harvest. Words kill. Words give life. They either poison or fruit they, they're, either, they're either poison or fruit. They're either one. Your words can be poison. Your words can be fruit. You get to choose. You've heard the verse said this way, death and life is in the power of the tongue. That's the message version of it. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. What are your words like? What impact have your words had on your life and on the life of those who listen to you? In our study, we've been talking about a lot of things. We've been having courageous conversations. And now we're in this season where we're talking about things that you need to courageously change. You can't just talk all your life. You have to make changes. And one of the changes you have to make is you have to change the way we said two weeks ago how you see challenges. We picked up the book of James. And in chapter 1, I showed you that James said you have to learn how to take all the trials in your life and count them as joyful. Find a way to take the hard things in your life and make them work. The following week, which is last week, I talked about work. You have to change the way we work. You can't work the same way. You can't just have faith in God and your actions and your life don't match. If you want to know what you really believe, you want to know your worldview, what you need to do is look at what you do. Remember, I said your worldview is all, remember, all that you believe put into a basket. What you believe about love, life, work, everything, put in a basket, that's your worldview. And if you're not careful, your worldview can be very narrow. But we can tell what it is simply by watching what you do. Faith without works is what? Dead. This week we talk about communication. And if you're going to really, really have a courageous conversation, you have to understand the power of what you say. You have to realize that what you say and what you communicate has power. And you are the only one with the, with the ability to control that. There are four things that I want you to think about. And especially for fathers today, I want you to think about these four things in a special way. Because your words have a profound impact on everything around you. I was at a restaurant the other day, and a guy came over to ask me, and one of the managers, what did I think about the, the food? My response was... Uh, it was fabulous. I'm a big seafood lover. I was at a place called Landry's. You've been there for some of you before. And I just loved it. And I, I had a salmon. Uh, I wanted a steak, but I didn't get it. 
fought off the red meat temptation. And um, I got the salmon. Nothing wrong with it if you do it every now and then. But I, I got the salmon, and um, it was a, a gumbo. Some of you are hungry, so just hang with me. And a salad. It was fabulous. It was vinaigrette. It was really great. Uh, it was different vinaigrette. It was really just tasty. And so I sat there, and I just enjoyed it all by myself. <laughs> Nobody but me. Yes, I know I messed it up, but it sounds better. Me's was enjoying myself. And he came over and he asked me what did I think about the meal. And I said to him, I said, it was absolutely fabulous. And the biggest smile came on his face. My words touched him. Words have power. I told the story a while ago. I was in a hotel and, and this guy came up and he was really laying it on to the manager. And as a young manager, he's probably in mid-30, early 30s. He may be 30-ish there about. And, and he was trying to communicate to the guy that you have to pay for your parking. And that, that that is not a part of your package or, or but right here, you have to pay. And he said, I'd never paid. And he, I mean, railed into him and cussed him a bit. And it was pretty, pretty, pretty unfortunate. And I was kind of next in line and it was getting really hot. And he and his friend were just railing at him. And the guy was standing there and he was just taking it. And it was in Atlanta and he was just taking it. And he said, sir, I'm sorry. And so he says, ask your manager. I want to see your boss. And so he says, look, I'll go ask. But I think the, and he went back, politely at, came back, said, sir, I've asked. And the policy is that you have to pay for your parking. And he just cussed him a few more times and then he walked off. And I stood there and the guy was deflated. I mean, he was absolutely drained of all energy and all power. It was a, it was a real bad moment for him. And I walked up next and I said, you know what? You did really good. I said, that's why they pay you the big bucks. He laughed, he smiled, and the whole load lifted off of him. In that moment, it was amazing. And right along that same time, another lady who was by him, um, I said something nice to her. I don't know what it was. It was something I did. And when I walked off, I'll never forget, she says, she's from India. She says, I want to thank you. You saved everybody today. (laughs) I thought that was amazing. You saved everybody today. Who are you saving with your words? I'm guilty of not saving everybody on some days. I've had to re-rack myself, and I'm sure you have. But I want to ask you to think about the power of your words. I'm going to give you four things our words can teach us in James chapter 2. Now, there's a uh, chapter 3, rather, I'm sorry. Now, there's a lot of things in James 3 that we can talk about. Another day we will, but today we focus just on the words, the communication part of it. The first thing we learn is, repeat with him, please, say, our words, our words show, our show our level of maturity. Here's what he said in chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, at least many of you become teachers, knowing, uh, I'm sorry again, let, let not many of you rather become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. Read that with me, please. For we all stumble in many things. One more time. Say it again. We all stumble in many things. I love James' honesty. We all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect or mature man. And he's able, because he can control his word, he's able to bridle the whole body. A person that can control their words has the capacity to control their whole body. If I want to know what you, where you are, I just listen to you. I, I make a point of listening to my sermons, and that may sound vain to you, but it's because I want to see how I sound. I want to see what I put you through. And then I tell pastors to do that. Listen to yourself. If you listen to yourself, you might change the way you do this. 
you notice you scream most of the time. Or you notice, you notice things. There's something about paying attention to you. Next time you get in a big argument with your husband, you record it. Hold on, I'm going to cuss you out. <laughs> and then, then right before you come to church, play it back to yourself. See how you sound. See how you sound when you're really angry. I dare you. Listen to yourself when you're frustrated. Some of you better erase it after you finish it. You know, it might get, get on the internet or something. But I want you to think about what I'm telling you. One of the most profound gifts I have is I get to hear myself and see myself a lot. And I learn, I learned Ricky. I spend a lot of time thinking, and I do that because I realize I need to see where I'm at. And the best way to do that is to check your words. The second thing your words show you, they show you the direction your life is going. If you look at verse uh, 5, skip down in the middle of the text. Well, go to verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may obey us. It's chapter 3, verse 3 of James. And we turn the whole body of that horse. Look, also ships, at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small what? Rudder. Whatever the pilot desires. Wherever, rather, the pilot desires. Even the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the whole course of nature. Your tongue can set a blaze in your life that is hard to put out. Some of you are still burning for what people have told you. Comments from a dad in a bad moment. Comments from a mom. How many words do you still remember from high school, middle school, elementary school? How many, more, how many words from your cousins at the family reunion or family gathering still linger? It's like they tattooed their name on you. I tell people, don't tattoo people with your words. Don't make it so that every time they see Ricky Temple, they remember me. That's the guy who told me I was stupid. I remember I went to, um, I won't say the country, but my first time being there, I was so excited. I'd never been there before. I'd never been there before. One more time, I'd never what? Been there. I was thrilled. I'm not going to say the country because I don't want you to have a bias toward them because they're good people, but that was just a bad moment. Through customs, one of the guys asked me a question I was just not familiar with. I was new traveling, and he said to me, where are you staying? And I knew I was staying at a hotel. I just had the paperwork in my bag. I had not written it on the check-in sheet they give you when you go through customs. And he said to me, are you an idiot? Are you, are you, are, would you come to this country without knowing where you're going to stay? And I never will forget Christina's response. Did he just call my daddy a name? No, baby, this ain't the time, honey. Let it go. <laughs> this ain't be the time, girl. It's all good. I gathered myself. I said, no, sir, I'm, I'm, I understand the importance. I just didn't think to put it on there. I'll, I'll fix that right now. And then I did. He said, if I come to your country, you want to know where I'm staying, and we want to know where you're staying. Now, that does not represent the whole country. That was one guy who had too much to eat that day or something. I don't know. 
But somewhere in the moment, those words were tattooed on me. And it's, it's, it's sad that we are guilty of doing that to people. In the name of setting somebody straight, somebody comes to you and brings the wrong order and you tattoo your name on that waitress. You tattoo your name on that person. Did I not explain to you that I wanted this to be well done? Well, were you paying attention? Praise God. Then you got to overcome by faith t-shirt on. <laughs> Please cover it up that day. Let's put, put a jacket on or something. No, it's okay. Wear your shirt. We have imperfect people who are growing too. But there's something about understanding the power of that. Even when you talk to your children, where you talk to them, who's around, within earshot, in the mall, grabbing people, jerking them around. There's something about understanding the power of your words, yelling out loud, calling them names, cussing them out. What are you doing to your wife? What do you do? What are you tattooed on your children? Thank God for the blood. The blood helps the blood of Jesus, the power of God's word can help you erase some tattoos. Because some tattoos I can't even find anymore. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Third thing your words can teach you, your level of maturity, number one, they can teach you the direction of your life, where your life is going. Is your life headed toward a forest fire? It will teach you the direction of your, of your, of your life, your words. If I want to see my long-term outcomes, listen to myself. Third thing it does, it shows me that the tongue cannot be tamed by men. I think that's amazing. Every beast of the field, every beast and bird, I'm sorry, every kind of beast rather, and every kind, I can read on a good day, every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. I can't tame your tongue. It's unruly. It's evil, full of deadly poison, James says. That's something that only you can do. I don't have the power. As a matter of fact, in my honest opinion, I don't know how well you're going to do without God's help. The ability to control what you say, the ability to stop yourself, park your car. Careers have been lost simply over words, tweets, texts. Go to school for eight years to get a, get a great job, and then you tweet it away. Email it away. Words. Everybody say words. words. Our words show us, though, that it, it cannot be stopped without effort, without a focus. And I can't. I don't have the power to stop your words. And the last thing that words shows us, it shows us how inconsistent we are. Now, I'm surprised by that. Sometimes I'm surprised by how inconsistent my words are. This is what he says. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the, so you're cursing people who are made in the image of God, he says. That's what similitude means. Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brother, read this out loud with him, please come on. Say, these things, these things. ought not... To be so, listen to this carefully, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? 
Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine, bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Which means that you, my friend, and I, if we're not careful, will be inconsistent. Now, I was going to open the floor for questions, but I decided to switch this around because I want to just simply get to the point and time will allow me to do what I wanted to do. So what I've done is I've posed four questions to start our conversation with as we close the message here. Things that we just would, might find challenging about communication. And I want to start with the focus on the fathers for a moment. And these are just questions that I think people have asked me that I would think you might be interested in my response to it. And these questions talk about the challenge of communication. These questions will aim you at that one thing that may help you communicate, talk better, and not set so many things on fire. It may also help you just understand. I may not give you the answers you want today, but I might help you understand. So here we go. What did you need your father to say to you at key moments of your life or in your life? What, what, did, you, what did you need him to say that wasn't said to you? What did you need to be communicated to you? That he cared, that he was there? What was it that was um, just missing? And some of you might say, Pastor, I, I just wanted him to acknowledge that I was his child. I wanted him to admit that he had messed up in my life. I get that. I really get that. But I, I want to I press past that and say this. Sometimes a father, in being one, Sometimes we don't know what to say. Especially if um, you think you've messed up. Sometimes the only thing you can say is I messed up. And let me just, just kind of turn the dial here a little bit and say, and I, I don't mean any, um, I'm going to say it and just work with me on this. On Father's Day, there's a need to, to somewhere in there apologize to people who were hurt by a father, more so than on Mother's Day. Now, I'm, I'm not against, I'm, I'm a big Mother's Day fan, you know, but I'm just making a point as a guy who counsels people. I get more my daddy hurt me than my mama hurt me. I get some mamas hurt me, but I get more my daddies hurt me. So on Father's Day, there's a need to somehow address that and, and maybe come out here and fire up the men and be a man and try and challenge you to, you know, come on and bring it. You didn't do what you should, should have done and whatever. And, and I think a lot of fathers just find it just hard to communicate because they don't know what to say. If they were going to say something, they would say something like this, I did my best. And that would not be a great answer. So I have a question here. What, what was hard for you to say as a father? If a father were just to say to you, I did my best, that would not be enough. You need to say more than that, dude. 
you didn't, you didn't, you didn't show up, or whatever the feeling is. So fathers sometimes say nothing. Because if I say that, that's not enough. Or here's another one. I could say, I did not have the tools I needed. That, that's not enough either. But that is often the case. I don't think that we men are trained to relate to women. We're trained to love them romantically. We are trained to provide for them financially. But we are not trained to talk to them. And when you have a daughter, we are still, in my opinion, not adequately coached and guided in the intricacies of that process. And so a lot of us get lost. And we do our best, but it's not enough for them many times. There are many sons. I, the guy came to me after yesterday's service, and he says, I deal with a lot of young men who cry because they're fathers. We're not there. This is a college professor who taught me this. They cry. There, there's this um, wall that a lot of people have when it comes to this topic. And so what does a father say? What, what, what do you say? How do you fix what you broke? Or how do you fix what you didn't know you broke? Or how do you respond to to that silence. I was going to have an open forum Q&A, but I decided, boy, that's tough. That's a hard thing. You want me to raise my hand and say, yeah, I failed my kids. Do you want me to raise my hand and say, I think my kids are ungrateful? Where is that going to end? Because there's a lot of people on different sides of all this issue. I work really hard to be a good dad. I work really hard to be present. I work really hard. And I'm not perfect. I made mistakes. I'm not perfect. But here's one thing that's true. I know it's not an easy job to be a mother or a father. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Come on, amen. Come on, I, I get an amen on that. That's, that's tough. But it's also tough to be a kid. It's tough to talk to your dad and say what you want to say and not be disrespectful. It's tough to say it to your mom. It's tough to know how to respond to what happened to me. Men, women, young girls who were molested by their dad, I've, I've seen them, I've counseled them. And they, he didn't go anywhere, and nobody knows this story, but me and him, tragically. Sometimes the mom knows it, sometimes the whole family knows it, and everybody's trying to find their way forward. He's trying to understand, how in the world did I do that dumb thing that I can't erase today? There's that silent look. That look. That we need to talk, but I don't know what to say. And you don't know what to say. So we both lift our hands to God. This is my suggestion. And just talk to him. And God help us find the words. But sometimes it just needs to be, I'm sorry. I don't have the capacity of the tools to say more than that. I don't have any more skills. Don't ask me why. Sin. And that's it. You got to make a decision. 
You've got to make a decision about your life and what's healthy for you and what's poison for you. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. I listen to people who are angry with parents and angry with people, and they're poisoning themselves, drinking it down every day. I can't believe you did this to me. I can't believe you did this to me. You did this to me. You caused my life to be miserable. You did this to me. I'm going to drink what you did to me every day. You made me like this. Every day, I drink it and share it with my children. I poison them. And I re-poison myself and wallow in what happened to me. Is it, Pastor Fair for me to just let it go? No. But it's not fair to poison yourself. Over and over again. I see pastors do it with their churches. I see brothers and siblings do it. Keep talking about what they did to you. They took grandmama's chair at her funeral, and you would never forgive them. I, that was my favorite chair. Grandmama promised me that chair. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Help you, God. Your only living sister. What in the world are you doing? Saying those things over and over again. You decided to stay in this marriage. Stop talking about that. You made a decision. Communicate differently. If you don't, here's what's going to happen. You ready? I call it number three. Your emotional sink will keep filling up over and over again. Communication turns violent before you know it because we keep doing the same thing. We, we get angry, we get frustrated, we start talking about things, we say words that don't help us, set our lives on fire, set the whole house on fire. We do it on the way to work, we do it after church, before church. We light fires all the time, and before you know it, our whole life's burning. And I call it our emotional sink is overflowing with garbage, flowing out. And you can tell it's there because of sarcasm and yelling and insults, all those things. And your whole life is just out of control. Is that what you want? Let's have a courageous conversation for a moment. Is that what you want? Who's going to stop it? You? Well, I'm waiting for them. See? Let's sing the song. You ready? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mother, not my father, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Come on, it's me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Just me. Just me. Not my husband. Not my boss. Just me. Let me change my words. And here's a promise. 
God gave us a promise, an old promise. If you went to Sunday school, you knew this verse, Matthew 7, 12. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. So you can improve all your communication by coming up with a set of rules, rules, guidelines, the way you want people to speak to you, the way you want to be, you need to do that. So whatever you're doing is you. That's your dynamic. I live up here. I make a point. I make a point in the midst of awkward moments when it's a, what I read this morning, an acute problem, not a chronic one. Sometimes you have those, those emergency moments. It's like, bam, here it is. All of a sudden, emergency room moment. person's cutting me out. What do I do? It's not a long-term thing. It just happened. This is not something that's lingering. This is a moment, and I now need to say, how, do I, how would I want somebody to treat me in that moment? How would I want somebody to treat me? If I were that blind, if I were that angry, and I was that lost, I work hard at that. I try to help people. People who don't know me who make judgments and who say things who don't even know me couldn't. I mean, it's amazing thinking, really? What is your name? You really believe that? Somebody told you, I, I want a W-2 form before you join the church. Really? You really believe that? I wouldn't even join that church. I mean, I mean I'm not, that's a small thing, but I'm just making a point. That there, there's a moment when you have to say, when I'm communicating to a person who's in a bad place, first I should pray for them. Now, there's a moment when you have to be firm. I understand that. There's a moment when you have to be, you know, mean what you say. I mean, I'm clear about that. I get it. There are moments, I'm real clear about when I need to be clear, but there's something about caring about the fact that this person's in a bad place, and what would I want someone to do for me if I were in that place? Because here's the, here's the bottom line principle. Galatians 2, 6 and 7 says this, Do not be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever I sow, whatever a man sows, that's what he will reap. So I want to say what I once said to me. I want to say what I once said to me. I want to do what I want done to me. So sit down with me and ask yourself the question, what am I really saying? What am I doing? Who am I tattooing? And do I need to adjust my words? I said that just today. Adjust that temple. Just make an adjustment in that. Every week, every day, we have to tweak ourselves a little bit. Sometimes we have a good run. A whole day we do fine. But every now and then. And maybe today is that day for you. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for what we've heard. We pray that the message we've heard in these last 30 minutes has helped. Helped us find our way. I pray that you lift our minds and our hearts to a new place. To see something that we've missed. To replay something we've missed. Maybe, God, you have been knocking on our doors, but we have not been opening them for you. 
Lord, our words, our relationships, our money, our life, we have ignored you. But I want you to lift your hand with me today, every hand lifted. Father, we lift our hands today and surrender to you. And ask you to touch us, both in this building, at home, wherever we are, on the job, riding, wherever we are. Let this be a transforming moment where we say, we get it. We hear you, Lord. We hear you knocking on our door, and we open it. And we're going to open up all the doors of our lives, every corner of it, to you. We're going to listen to ourselves. I'm going to try this again. And I believe, Lord God, we will bring healing to the lives of those we've heard around us. I want to make things better. With every head bowed, every head down for a moment. If there's anybody here, God, who doesn't know you as Savior, they've never given their life to Jesus, they've never surrendered, they need to start a life with Jesus, I pray for healing for them today. I pray, God, that this will be a moment of deliverance, blessing, restoration. That They would say, today was the day I gave my life to Jesus. Today was the day I surrendered. Today was the day I made a choice. And so, God, I speak healing and forgiveness to every heart. Fathers who've said things they're sorry they said. Mothers, whoever it is today, people who are here today who wish they could say, take it back. But may they say, no, what I'm going to do is plant new words. I can't erase all the old ones, but I can show plant a whole lot of new words. I might have planted 5,000 bad words, but I plan to plant 50,000 good ones. I plan to plant so many good words and so much encouragement that it will drown out the rest. And God, I give you all the praise for those today who are coming to say, Jesus, I need you in my life, and I surrender my life to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, that's me. I prayed with you just now, but I know that I need to give my life to Jesus. Raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Anybody say, that was me, Pastor? I see I need, to, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to start a life. Anybody at all say, Pastor Rick, pray for me. My life needs to start new today, a new walk with Jesus. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. God bless you. Let's all lift our hands together. Father, we lift our hands with all those who lifted their hearts today and said they needed Jesus both here and at home. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Are you glad you came? Hope you were. Happy.